What's up, everybody? Welcome to Security Squawk, the podcast where we educate you about, I guess, all things cybersecurity. And I got my co-host with me today, Reginald Andre and Randy Bryan. How are you, gentlemen? Doing well. Good morning. 65 degrees, mostly sunny <laughs> in South Florida. Nice. We've had rain over here in Texas for a couple days, man. It's a but little warm. Cold at least right now. It's a little warm here. It's not. A, it's not a lot of warm. It's a little warm. It's forty. I don't think it's that cold. But anyway, I'll take it. We barely got out of. We barely got above freezing the last couple of weeks. So it's actually forty-eight here. I just checked. I have not been outside today. I'm not going to go outside if I can help it. Forty-eight is too cold. <laughs> nice. So uh, what do we have on tap today? So I guess we're going to go off the beaten path for our show a little bit anyway. Uh, and we're going to get on, into a little bit of politics, a little bit of geopolitics, because we got this thing in the news boiling with Russia potentially uh, moving into in, uh, Ukraine and taking some um, military type action or, you know, we've seen this before. This time seems a little different. Um, we seem to be committing some troops and personnel. And <clears throat> why are we talking about this? What the hell does, you know, a potential conflict with Russia in Ukraine have to do with cybersecurity? So um, we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about what this could possibly mean and for who, because we have our government uh, coming out and, and posting warnings about this particular situation and what it could lead to. So we're going to get into that today. We're also going to talk about quickly towards the end of the show, um, some schools. Schools are kind of a target again, and we've talked about this before, but they're really uh, becoming a target more and more these days. Um, we're going to talk about that and why um, and, and show you an example uh, of an incident that happened and how, you know, the individuals, the students found out about it, which we, we thought was interesting. And then um, the ransomware guys are, are again, trying to get insiders to help them deploy ransomware. And we're going to educate you and let you know what's going on there because this is an ever evolving situation with these cyber criminals approaching your employees and partners and vendors that you work with to try to get ransomware and infect your network. So let's just jump right into it, guys. Let's uh, let's talk about we have, I'm going to pop up an ABC News article uh, up on the screen here. Uh, and it's a <clears throat> DHS warns of Russian cyber attacks on U.S. if it responds to Ukraine invasion. So I guess we were talking about this. And again, we don't really get too political on this show, um, but I think we all agree that this situation warranted a conversation on this show because you have the United States government coming out and basically saying to uh, the United States citizens, look out, right? So let's talk about it because when i first saw this yesterday what immediately came to my mind was this is just going to be attacks against you know some 
critical infrastructure, possibly um, some government entities, things like that, DOD, maybe some DOD contractors. Uh, but you guys kind of disagree with me on that. You think that this could extend into private businesses and just U.S. businesses in general, and it doesn't really matter if you're involved in supplying the government or supplying the military or supplying DOD or supplying critical infrastructure, just because you basically have a business in the United States, you're, you're a target. So is that, is that what you guys are telling me? I think it goes both ways. I definitely think the critical infrastructure makes sense because if you take away, as we know, the colonial pipeline the, um, with the JBL, with the, um, the meat industry, if you take away something where it's going to hurt that, that consumer right away, you're going to start having griping, the polls numbers is going to go down for the president, et cetera. So definitely, I think that the critical infrastructure is going to would be something they target. However, I also think that if you're a business owner, this should also concern you because um, what stops them from going after a small business? Um, they're, they're, if they're already attacking you know, something such as a critical infrastructure, it's only a few more steps or a few more things they have to do to go after a small business. So yeah, I think it's going to be both if it happens. Hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I take a probably similar similar view. I think that you know, you at least have some aspect right now of the Russian government holding back Russian, you know, cyber gangs. Um, you know, recently there were some arrests of some cyber criminal gang members. If war breaks out, you can probably expect that to just to just go off the table. Like, like I feel like they're just going to say, hey, you know, we're just not going to worry with these guys, you know we're at a war or we're a proxy war or something with the U S like, why would we hold back our criminal gangs from, uh, from reaching out? And then I even would say from a state sponsored um, aspect, I mean, bringing down U S businesses, bringing U S businesses to their knees with ransomware would have an effect on the economy, which would have an effect on the will of the people which would have an effect on the leaders of our country. So I see that as a nation, nation state strategy to, do, to cripple businesses. So people in the U S will, you know, rise up and get ticked off and, you know, demand that we don't have these war, this war going on. I mean, I don't know. That's my opinion. So we've kind of laid out the problem, right? That these S these, uh, this escalation, let's call it that, is going to lead to something. And if it, and if it does, is it an automatic in your mind, guys, that something is going to happen uh, if Russia invades? That just is going to give the green light kind of for everybody to go party? Or it, does the U.S. have to get involved? Or you just... Are you saying that the U.S. is just going to get involved the minute, you know, they cross over into the border and fighting starts happening? I mean, I would assume that right now, I mean, because I think I just read we sent like 8,500 troops there. Mm -hmm. I would assume that already, if not before this, then very soon that Russia is going to start probing, 
probing uh, our defenses from a cybersecurity standpoint. I mean, yeah, so I think it's already probably started. Andre, any any opinions or thoughts on that, whether whether or not we have to be drawn into this for something to happen, or you just think it, it's inevitable at this point? Yeah, I mean, they're sending that amount of troops. It, it, obviously, it's a deterioration to um, deter Ru the Russians, to let them know that we're serious. But this is a different uh, country. This is not, you know, Afghanistan where they don't really, um, except for obviously some of the internal terrorism that that's a ha that has happened. But this is now you're dealing with a country that can fight back. You know, you're dealing with a country that's just not going to throw a rock back at you or something. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think that Russia would have to first get in, and then from there, um, then that's when you know everything breaks loose. Okay, so uh, I think we're all in agreement that this is uncharted territory for this particular conflict in a day and age where we've never had um, two superpowers of this magnitude go at it when cyber, when the internet existed and when the network, when networks existed and, and the threat of cyber attacks is here because now very different from what I view as like World War II, where you're, you literally have to get on a boat or a plane and go somewhere across the ocean. And the, the internet negates that whole thing. Now these things and things can happen over the internet from the, from the comfort of your own country, so to speak. Um, and it, it's a new, it's a new twist to what's happening here. And, and we're, we are going into uncharted territories in my opinion, um, simply because we've, haven't done anything like this with the technology that we have today. Um, so with that being said, what, what can somebody do as a business owner to fend off whatever this warning is from our government? That's, you know, vague in itself, but as I'm a business owner, I'm sitting here like, I feel completely helpless if some, you know, Russian states back, uh, state sponsored or state backed cyber criminals are going to try to attack my business all the time. So what can I, what can I do? What are some things that I can start doing to deal with this? Cause it, it sounds pretty serious. So I would say a lot of the things that we've been talking about in this podcast since we started is, is definitely things that you can do because what they're going to first do is go after the, for the easy targets. They're going to go after the weak passwords for um, places that don't have two-form factor authentication, places that don't have some type of cyber security awareness training um, to help the employees and educate the employees and not clicking things. So um, obviously routers and different type of protections to make sure that um, these attacks uh, could potentially be blocked. So there's a lot of things that we've talked about in the past that business owners can do now. Yes, fighting against a nation state is you're probably going to lose because if they want to get in, they will get in. But there's definitely um, very simple and and practical things that can be done within a time, you know, within a few weeks time span with your with, with someone that knows what they're doing in your company or outsource. What are what are give me one practical example that somebody could implement fairly quickly if they're you're really behind the eight ball and they don't have they really haven't paid attention and you know something like this is 
you know, made them realize that maybe I need to at least do something. So what are some things business owners can do right away or somebody personally can do right away to protect themselves? I mean, turn on MFA on multi-factor authentication, turn it on for your, uh, your critical, your critical cloud software, like 365. Um, if you have any trade, um, industry specific software that you use, it's cloud-based, um, turn on MFA on all those places right away. Like that's something you can do and you can have it done in the next two hours, you know, depending on if you're, you know, 10 employees or less, if you're more employees, it might take a little longer if they don't already have uh, multi-factor authentication apps installed. Um, but that's pretty easy to do right away. Andre, you got anything or? Um, do all of your Windows updates. Make sure that all of the app, the third-party applications that you're using, we still got the Log4J and I'm sure they're going to you want to use that. Uh, but essentially do your Windows updates and any applications that you're using, make sure that they're also up to date, um, that you're still getting support from them. So that way, if there's any vulnerabilities in those applications, you're, you're protected. Good stuff. I think I'll go with, uh, you know, as you mentioned, compromise credentials, right? Stop, stop the practice of, of using the same password uh, on multiple sites. Um, and then also on your computers, make sure you have endpoint protection and not some, you know, free antivirus. Um, you know, if you can go with something like a WebRoot or a Bitdefender or something along those lines that are a little more expensive and have a little bit more features built into them, we would recommend those over <clears throat> some of the free stuff that's out there um, that doesn't give you quite the same protection. Um, but password managers and using uh, a different password on everything that you log into is another way that you're going to make things really difficult for um, all these cyber criminals. So we talked about <clears throat> the threat. We talked about what people can do to protect themselves. Now, let's really talk about who potentially could be attacked here if this does happen. Um, who do you feel is more likely to be attacked in this situation? Um, just give me your thoughts on that, Randy, and then we'll jump over to Andre. That's a great, great question. I mean, I would see from Russia for sure, um, if we escalated to this level, um, I would see attacks from them on, on infrastructure in the U.S., communications, things like that. Um, I would see uh, disruptions. I know that um, would, I would assume that we would see like denial of service attacks, like, you know, things that would have a psychological impact you know, like a DOS attack on whitehouse.gov, DOS attack um, on, you know, DDoS attack on things like that. Um, and then I would, like I said, if they take their hands off of controlling their criminals, I mean, the sky's the limit on that because we already know where the statistics are on that. We looked at it either last week or the week before. Um, larger companies are spending more money on cybersecurity, and as you go down to, you know, from a thousand and more, and you go down to ten or less, the the spend drops drops right with the size of the company, the percentage, 
And we know that the smaller companies are going to be more, more vulnerable. And we know even a couple of articles we're going to look at uh, today uh, discuss some of those things. So, yeah, I think the sky's the limit on what's going to happen with uh, small business. We just, we just need to be prepared. Real quick, you mentioned some attack vectors in, in your um, response there. And I don't want to gloss over the fact that we're, we're, we're really not exclusively talking about a ransomware attack here. We're talking about other types of attacks. You mentioned something called a DDoS attack. So quickly, can you educate everyone on what a DDoS attack is in layman's terms and then what that DDoS attack can do to a business? Like what's that going to look like to a business when they're under some kind of uh, denial service attack? Yeah. So over the past, you know, five, 10 years or so, criminal gangs, nation states um, have been basically building a bot net, if you will, um, a robot network of where they basically have infections in people's machines, um, maybe in their Roku's, their, their Apple TVs, their thermostats, where basically they can have that device do little things, sometimes even more nefarious things. But a denial of service means you tell all of those computers that you've infected, which is potentially in the millions and millions, you tell all of them to start pinging a website, uh, start asking for a download from a website. I mean, just do something from a website or a network server that has a that has an internet uh, facing um, interface you start sending them requests and you overwhelm them with so many requests that it either brings it to its knees or it has to shut down completely. Um, and they can do that with sites. You know, maybe there's a website where we go to report something to the government. Well, then they do a, a denial of service attack on that, bring it down, then we can't use it anymore. So it's not a denial of service. Is not, it's not like a permanent bring it down. Um, but it's enough to bring it down as long as they want to keep applying the, uh, the pressure. And we do know over the last couple of years, there seems to have been some denial of service attacks on some of the larger nodes of the Internet. There was one that actually basically swept across part, part of the world. Um, I believe it was, it was some group testing how, how much they could get away with um, and then testing it for in a situation like this when we're at war. I mean, so imagine if they, they brought down Amazon and AWS services, you know, when a war breaks out, you know, all of our apps and all of our data that's on those services, we wouldn't have access to. I mean, could right. literally bring business to its knees. Correct. You could bring business and society with all the social media and how reliant people are on communicating and uh, getting their news and information from those sources now, right? Yep. I think a lot of people rely on social media sites like Twitter and Facebook to really fill them in on what's going on in their world or the things that they care about, right? The six o'clock news, uh, those things have kind of gone by the wayside, right? People don't get their news or they don't go to watch the news to watch the weather um, anymore. That's a kind of a dying behavior for a lot of uh, human beings. If I want to know what the weather is going to be, I go to my weather app, right? Um, if I want to, you know, I have my Facebook feed set up to, you know, show me the news that I like to see, right. And that I want to see, 
Um, and if I can't get to that, then where do I go? How do I get my news? Um, these are all things that, you know, people are going to struggle with when things like this go down, um, which you did a great job, I think, Randy, of kind of explaining like how it goes down, what it's going to look like. So, Andre, what's what is there anything that you see from this that we haven't talked about that could be a potential threat to um, individuals or businesses as a result of a cyber attack in this manner? Yeah, so if you recall back in June of last year, Biden gave um, Putin basically 16 sectors, 16 important critical infrastructures that he says is off limit. So basically, for as far as we're looking at it, that's about, or as far as Putin can look at it is this is this is what pains America. If I hit this certain um, certain target, this is going to um, make them hurt. Or on the opposite side, he can say, well, all right, fine. You told me not to do these 16, so I'm going to follow our agreement back in June. So I'm going to go after everything else, which is going to be, you know, the small businesses and, and everything like that. So, you know, that can go two ways. So um, that's just another the, something else that I thought of. Nope. That's a good point. So. Is there anything else about this that you guys want to bring up that I maybe didn't hit on or ask a question about? Um, I think we've covered this pretty good and what this is going to mean in the future. Um, I don't know. I'm not in the business of uh, predicting world events like this. I'm in the business of predicting cyber attacks, but uh, I don't know, guys. I, I'm, I'm just not, I feel again, like this is a lot of posturing. I don't think anything's going to happen uh as a result of this, um, maybe I'm hoping n nothing happens because the thought of it, you know, on the other side of it is, is not pretty. Um, but what, what do you guys think? Is there anything you want to talk about or, or just tell us what you think the chances are of this actually coming to fruition? Well, I don't know about the chances. I ju I'll just say, I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, um, cooler yeah. Help. I mean, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen also. Um, you know, um, we don't want politicians to make themselves more popular, which happens, you know, if war starts. Um, and then um, also, you know, this could be kind of a precursor. We, you know, we may end up seeing like more war going on, quote unquote, in the cyber realm and less actually on the ground, um, which may be uh, that may be something that comes out of this, you know, because here we have two countries that are butting heads right now and also the EU um, that are butting heads with Russia and, you know, Russia and the U S have very skilled cybersecurity prowess. So we might see a whole, we might, we, they may never, they may never actually touch on the ground. I don't know. Are you saying we're going to have a war to find out who lives next to soup dog in the metaverse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I wasn't going that far. Um, I'm more saying just that this might be a, we could have a literal proxy war, you know, through cyber, cyber crime type things. Uh, but yeah. I'd be cool if they just took war in that metaverse and yeah. left, left, left no war here in the real world. That'd be pretty cool. So. That would be super, super. So anyway, cool. <clears throat> moving on to our, our second topic, guys, we talk about this all the time on this show, right? The, the how hackers uh, don't give a crap. They're, they're very, brutal and blunt in their ways of operating. Um, and they like to use a lot of different 
tactics to get paid and get people to pay and use, you know, whatever leverage they can to extort you of your money. Uh, and this is just another example, NBC News covering a story where ransomware hackers are calling you directly. And hackers have increasingly roped in everyday people's information is stored in computers uh, that they hacked um, and then pestering them by phone and email. So um, this happens to businesses, but it also happens to individuals when like their <clears throat> photos or family photos and their computer, their personal computer gets hacked and hit with ransomware. And then they they are able to track you down and find you either on social media, depending on how how well or how much you're you're out there. It might be really easy or really hard for these guys to find you. But once they do find some information, they're emailing you, they're calling you, they're harassing you. Very similar to um, what I would say a similar behavior that I've heard about is like debt collectors, how they're constantly calling you all the time to get you to pay up. So are these guys. They, they kind of take on the role of a debt collector because you owe them money now because they hacked your system. So <clears throat> what do you guys, you know, obviously we've talked about this on the show. We've pointed it out, right? Um, what did you take away from this article by Kevin Collier over at NBC news? Um, because this particular one and what, what the headline does a poor job of pointing out is that this was, um, a victim from somebody's whose schools, so whose son's school or school, or the son school was hacked and now he's a victim and now the uh cyber criminals are calling um the student and telling them that they have files that were stolen and they're holding them and 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 started emailing him directly um so what do you guys think about this i mean this is against the school we see this stuff all the time, but I don't think people realize how often this goes down. And I'll just say this. There's a, uh, where I used to live uh, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. There's a school district over there named Pensbury School District that's under a cyber attack right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've seen a lot of K through 12 schools under attack at the end of 21 and beginning of 2022. So why are they doing this? Why are they stealing the data? It's very interesting to me because there's a lot of data on kids. And if you know anything about identity theft, kids' data is very, very valuable, especially when they don't have credit established or anything like that. So um, that was my big takeaway from, from what I read in this article. What are you guys, uh, what are you guys saying? Yeah, for me, it was mostly about how the school system did not alert the parents. So it kind of caught them off guard. And this is something that we see, and Brian, you mentioned all the time, where X percentage of um, cyber attacks don't go mentioned because everybody wants to sweep it under the rug, not tell their 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 um, their clients, not tell in this case, you know, the parents because it's just going to cause more expenses. It's going to make people look bad, etc. So. Um, so in this case, that's what I think, and just going back to what we've talked about again before about legislation and some type of um, rule that should be put in place that if you are, um, if you are, if this state is compromised, you have to tell 
the people. You have to tell the people that um, whose information is now out there so they can be on the lookout for this type of stuff. Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent, because especially when tax dollars are involved, if tax dollars are involved, the disclosure has to be there. So go ahead, Randy. Well, good points. And then I also think that th this is really the natural progression because we already know we've we've talked about on the show how they'll call the criminals will call the the company that's under attack. And then we've also we've heard and reported on how they will call related companies um and this is just a natural progression they're using and it's you know it's just a matter of time they're sitting around to think how can they get more money out of people how can they pressure people more to pay when they have ransomware and they're sitting around brainstorming and someone goes hey all these names that we're getting out from these databases that we're breaking into let's call them let's call them and say hey your school's been hacked and you need to put pressure on your school to pay us money so we can give your data back. Otherwise, we're going to sell your kids info on the dark web. I mean, that's just to me, it's a natural progression of this crime. Yeah. And, and, and and I'll give you a shout out here, uh, Andre, because, of course, the school district offered the parents and students free credit monitoring services. Um, and, you know, that the upsetting part for this individual who they termed Wayne in the article um, is that he had to find this out from the criminal, right? He found out that this happened from the criminal. And the important thing to take away from this guys and everyone listening and watching is that this is what the cyber criminals do. It's not beyond them to call your customers and call, you know, people that you do business with that aren't part of your organization. And you think that you're getting away with like, nobody's going to find out, like we just pay the ransom. It goes away until one of these guys, you know, just decides he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and he's like, I'm just going to start calling all the people that we found in the data that we stole. Um, and that's and that's what happens. And then, you know, you end up with even more egg on your face because now you didn't tell the people who mattered that you suffered a cyber attack. You just decided, like Andre said, to try to sweep it under the rug and it you know, leaves you in an even worse spot. It really damages your credibility um, even more so than I think if you just got ransomware and admitted that you had it. Um, trying to hide it these days is is really becoming, um, you know, looked at as a, as a, as a bad thing. Um, so moving right along, we got ransomware gangs increase efforts to enlist insider attacks. So not only are they calling your clients and friends, but they're calling your employees too. Um and there was a survey of over 100 large North American IT firms um, shows that ransomware actors are making greater efforts to recruit insiders and targeted firms to aid in attacks. Um, so what do you guys think of this? Because honestly, the, the article points out that they're targeting companies like ours and they're targeting our employees. Um, yeah. And you know, this little stat here that I have up on the screen is a little interesting. What were your employees offered in return for helping with the ransomware attack? And a significant uh, amount of them were issued, were offered a cash transfer worth under 500,000. And that, and that was the lowest amount that they asked about. 11% were between 500 and a million and 5% were over a million. Um, and then the other 
portion were offered Bitcoin. So it was either cash transferred or Bitcoin. Um, so you guys read the article. What are your takeaways from it? Yeah, we mentioned this a, a few, um, probably two two months ago or so in um, one of our part our podcasts. Um, this is insane, um, but once again, it's kind of a natural progression. I mean, they they want to go where the money is. They want to get insiders. Um, this is no different than a drug dealer trying to get somebody to start selling drugs for them. They're just looking for somebody to uh, help them do their criminal activity. Um, and they're willing to pay big money for it because they know they get big money um, out of these companies in one way or another. Yep. Andre, what are your thoughts from the article? This is scary because it's because especially with the fact that they're paying with Bitcoin, because then there's a le level of, OK, it's not going to you know, there's one thing if someone sells you money, it's traceable. Right. But and obviously there's ways to trace Bitcoin, but it's it's another layer that they think like, OK, if it's Bitcoin, nobody will find out. And you're not necessarily hiring criminals to work for you. You're hiring people that have families. But hey, if I can make an extra thousand dollars, two thousand dollars and just give an access and nobody finds out, uh, you know, that's not going to show in the background check. You know, these are these are type of um, sinister things that people do that they won't get caught and or more more likely won't get caught. So they're going to like, yeah, let me just do it. Make a quick uh, $2,000 or something. So that's why it's so important for the business owner not to just have the firewall, not just to have antiviruses. Like you have to like have alerts and monitoring on your systems to kind of look for these um, type of things where if all of a sudden employee plugs in a USB flash drive, you know, are you blocking it? Are you monitoring if, if uh, a certain amount of files are being downloaded more than normal and things like that? Yep, and then the sec second chart in this article is, and I and I and I personally think this is a huge blind spot for IT executives. Um, but IT executives, what they think about insider threats, right? And only eight percent are what think internal threats are a problem. They're more concerned about. Well, they say fifty-three percent are concerned about insider and. Uh, insider and external threats, right? I think that's probably a little high. Um, <clears throat> external threats only are 36%. Internal threats only are 8%. 3% are not concerned about either. Um, so do you think that we have a little bit of a blind spot here, guys, based on these numbers that IT executives don't think the, the insider threat is that great or they don't think that their employees would sell them out, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to zero trust and the whole idea of zero trust um, is you you don't. Well, one of the whole ideas of zero trust is you only trust what's absolutely needed. And so, you know, you're not giving, you know, every employee, every single password, you know, you're giving them the 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 just the information they need to get done. Um, that's just. That's just common sense. You don't want to put yourself, you want to put your, uh, a human in the place where they can be tempted by something like this, you know, either. Um, and I just thought of a really scary thought also, because I guarantee you that the criminals, just like a drug dealer would, who's got you selling drugs for them, 
if the drug dealer goes down, you're going to go down or they're going to use you to keep themselves from going down. And I guarantee you, if you make some kind of a deal like this with the cybercrime organization, they're going to put some hooks in you and they're going to put some hooks in you to later they can call on a favor or they can throw you under the bus if they need to. Like this is not just, you know, nobody gets hurt and money sent unanimously. I guarantee you this is going to have horrible ramifications on the other side. Andre. Go ahead. I just did. I always like doing these type of Google searches and doing comparisons. So guess what the uh, percentage of drug um, purchases from like a high school student, 60% of high school students that use drugs, buy it from other kids, like buy it from drug dealer kids. They're not going out on the street to some 20 or 30 year old and like buying it from them. It's inside. Right. And even thefts. I used to work retail and, and the majority of thefts that would happen was was inside. So this goes the same way um, that it, it, it only makes sense for the ransomware groups to do this. The other thing that the article points out at the end, and I and I just want to wrap up the show and talk about this a little bit, but it mentions the great resignation and, and the propensity or the, the, the chance of your company having to deal with something like this with the fact that we are dealing with or going through this suppose a great resignation, right? So somebody who's maybe thinking about going out on their own or they're able to change jobs easily and, you know, move somewhere else. And maybe, you know, they were a good employee, but they're not a super fan of the company or anything like that. And they're figuring, Hey, on my way out the door, why don't I make, you know, mm -hmm. 50, 60, 80, hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 by just letting these criminal hackers get in. Right. Um, and, and I think that that what you were, really getting to Andre earlier was having that layered approach and a zero trust approach to your security, right? Because you don't want to give any one employee, you know, too many keys at, or to the point where they can unlock the whole entire kingdom. Um, making sure that you're layering things out and things are being checked and verified along the way. So you don't have maybe a network administrator or an IT guy who kind of you know, has access to everything as he's on his way out the door, he decides to, you know, let somebody in. And now they're as, as uh, Randy rightfully pointed out, they're putting hooks in, you know, all over the place so they can come back in and do more damage later on. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, the employee leaves today on January 25th, 2022, you know, runs that payload, lets the, the person in, they don't have to do anything for six months. Mm -hmm. Right maybe they're just getting paid for the access and not the ransomware deployment, right? The ransomware deployment's coming down the road. You, you just never know. Or maybe, you know, first payments access, second payments when they deploy ransomware. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would wait for $500,000 for six months. You know what I mean? So this is how big the threat is. So anything that you guys want to add to this uh, before we uh, end the show today? Yeah, and I think this is so important for the listener to um, know this is why you have to protect all your computers, not just some of them, not just the accounting department. So many times we go and, um, or at least I go, and I to do proposals, and they're like, oh, well, don't worry about the front desk or the secretary. They're, they're not doing anything on it, but it touches the network, and all you need is that one computer that's unsecure, um, and then boom, there you go. Take us home, Randy. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys have uh, have uh, said it said it said it all, man. 
Yeah, so, I mean, all these things we're pointing out, businesses are, are up against it. And before we wrap up, we have a quick question. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. You mentioned the idea of a DDoS attack on services like Amazon. Companies like Google, Amazon have vast computer resources. Does it seem possible for criminal organization to be able to leverage the resources needed to take Ooh. networks like this down? Um, I'll just say it'll, it'll be hard, but it's not impossible. And I would add um, the, the issue that we saw, I think it was about a year ago, where it kind of it went across like a wave um, across the United States, um, where I think some of these major services were affected. I don't think that that was a denial of service against their actual infrastructure, but against the DNS servers that they use for that infrastructure. So, in other words, the target was smaller. You're not you're not attacking all hundred million or you know. 100,000 Amazon servers or however many they have. Instead, you're attacking where they get their DNS. The DNS is how they're able to communicate with the rest of the internet, basically. Um, so that's my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Andre, anything? Uh, nope, Randy said it all. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, depending on the company, I think Microsoft seems to be more well-equipped to handle this type of stuff than than others. Um, but I also think that they don't need to go after these companies to disrupt, right? Um, there's other companies that don't have what Amazon, Google, and Microsoft have, um, you know, in, in, in order to create the same effect, right? And, and you can look at that a lot of different ways. You can attack services like Cloudflare. You can, you know, you can, you know, like you said, go to the DNS level, um, you know, if computers don't know what address to go to when they look up an IP address. They don't know, you know, where to drive to and where to deliver that data. Stuff just doesn't work. Right. And it, it doesn't take a whole lot to disrupt that these, you know, in today's day and age. So, all right, guys, thank you. See y'all next week. Yep. See you next week. All right. Please remember to share our show folks. It's how we grow it. Share it, share it to your friends and family. Uh, if you download us on your favorite uh, podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, I think we're on Amazon Music. I got an email the other day from Amazon Music saying congratulations for the podcast being on Amazon Music. So I guess we're over there now. So um, if you ask Alexa to play us, she'll play us. Um, so it's pretty cool. But remember, you can always copy and paste our link over to um, – What's that? Uh, Facebook or Twitter, right? Paste it on your Twitter, paste it on your Facebook, paste it on your LinkedIn, get it out to your friends and family. And as you guys know, we get more questions when we're live. You can see that this show is growing. Um, and every day we see it behind the scenes in our stats and we thank you for that. So keep doing what you're doing and we'll keep bringing you more content. So thanks Jennings. We'll, uh, we'll keep putting out uh, good content for you. We'll see y'all next week.